Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway, a United Methodist community in Portland, Maine. If you live locally, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Visit our website at www.hopegateway.com to learn more. But whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Today. We are so, so lucky um, to have at Hope Gateway a bevy of devoted friends and very gifted preachers in our community. And Jim is one of those friends. Um, so what I'm about to say about Jim um, cannot begin to do service to who he is and what he has done throughout his ministry. But I wanted to give you a little glimpse into who he is so you know who it is that we're sharing company with today. The Reverend Dr. James Gertmenian was ordained by the United Church of Christ, and he served parishes with his wife, um, Sam, in upstate New York, Connecticut, and Minnesota. And I think that you call um, Los Angeles area home, right? Home, right. Awesome. And um, throughout his incredible career in ministry, Jim's been devoted to combating homelessness and poverty. Um, He's done work in LGBTQ justice and inclusion, interfaith ministry, and um, he's done work of uplifting young clergy to help them to realize their full potential. He's also an illustrious hymn writer, and you got to sing one of his hymns earlier today in the service. And after retiring to Maine in 2015, Jim joined the board of the BTS Center, which you might know through Alan's work. Mm -hmm. He's also worked with Preble Street, and he serves on the board of Faith and Public Life, which does advocacy um, around the country, um, getting folks involved from all different faith backgrounds in political work. So um, please put your hands together to welcome Jim. Thank you so much really good to be with you. Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. This comes from a a time when the people of Israel had been saying their prayers and doing their rituals. They felt they were doing everything just right as far as their ritual life was concerned and their prayer life, their worship life. And yet, somehow God did not seem to be listening did not seem to be aware of them, did not seem to be responding. They would fast, which they thought they were supposed to do, and still no results. And God spoke to the people through Isaiah to tell them what God really wanted from them. God says, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? 
Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. And you will cry for help, and God will say, Here I am. And then these words from the letter of Paul to the church in Rome about what it means to be a community. Paul writes, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. We heard about that a few minutes ago. Extend hospitality to strangers, something I know you all do. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Good words for anybody who preaches. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, as I said, it is wonderful to be with you, although I wish the occasion for my filling in for Sarah were a happier one. I know you join me in encouraging Sarah to be patient with herself and with her body and with her healing. And this is a good moment for me to get a chance to say how much admiration I have for this community and for the leadership that Sarah and Alan have provided over the years As you heard, I'm on the board of the BTS Center, and we feel that Alan's joining us as our executive director is in a powerful way an extension of Hope Gateway's ministry, and we are grateful to you for that. You embody a bold and inspiring vision of what God intends for the world. So for me, it is an honor to share in your worship. Pardon me for the cold I have if I'm sounding a little throaty here today. Will you pray with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be ever acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock, our redeemer, and friend. Amen. Well, I only moved to Maine a few years ago in 2015, but my family has been summering here on Great Cranberry Island off the coast near Acadia Park since the 1970s. Out on Great Cranberry, has anyone been to the Cranberry Isles? Some of you have, a couple of you have. Out on Great Cranberry, storytelling is a revered part of island culture. 
we have any number of people, especially some old timers, who harbor the lore of island life like a family treasure to keep it alive. But if you ask me, none was better than our neighbor, Isabel Seimer of blessed memory, a raconteur who spent more than 70 summers on Cranberry Island, dating back to the time when her father, a professor at Bangor Seminary, was the summer minister in our little church out there. Did you ever hear about the night that Eber got lost in the fog, Isabel asked one night after supper. The chowder and the haddock had been polished off, and so had the salad from the Symer's garden. The coffee was ready, and even if we had heard about Eber before, we wouldn't have let on, because Isabel's stories, especially the true ones, were about the best way possible to top off a dinner better, even than freshly made, homemade, blueberry pie. We nestled the coffee cups in our hands and wreathed in the steaming warmth of true geniality. We listened. Eber used to carry the mail, Isabel said, and we knew what she meant. He wasn't a mailman per se. We don't have home delivery on the island, but he was the one who took his boat to the mainland to each day to bring the sacks of mail to our island post office, Isabel went on. Eber used to carry the mail, but when he was older, he got a little skittish about going out in bad weather or at night. He had long since retired, and he was pretty much staying at home. One night, around 8 o'clock, though, Mrs. Saltonstall, you know, she was of the Massachusetts Saltonstalls, said she just had to get to the mainland to catch a night train for Boston and there was nobody to take her over except Eber. He was reluctant, but he finally agreed. There was only a little bit of fog when they left, but by the time Eber should have been returning returning home, that fog was as thick as cotton. The word got around the island pretty fast, Isabel said. Eber's out in his boat. And without anyone being told to do it, a sizable group of island folk made their way down to the dock where they just waited. These people are pretty tough, she said. They chatted along and they didn't let on how, as time passed, they were getting more and more worried about Eber, but they were worried. You could feel it. Suddenly, someone said, shh, that's him. And sure enough, they could hear Eber's motor way off in the fog like the purring of a kitten three rooms away. You know, these old timers actually recognized the sound of one another's boat engines. For a while, it got closer and closer, and people started to breathe easier. But then somehow, it wasn't getting closer, and people we're beginning to worry again. Oh no, he's missed the harbor. Isabel paused for effect. We all knew what missing the harbor meant because nothing lies beyond our island except ocean, open ocean. No place for an old man in a small boat on a hopelessly foggy night. Everybody on the dock got very quiet, Isabel continued. They were scared. 
And then they heard Eber's engine shut off altogether. And they knew why, of course. He cut his engine so that he could hear the bell buoys and get his bearings. But as soon as that engine was quiet, all of those folks on the dock started to yell, Over here, Eber! Over here! And they heard the engine start up again. And sure enough, it got closer and closer. Until even though they couldn't see it for the fog, they knew he had made the harbor. Isabel paused again, and we thought maybe the story was over. But there was a wonderful tagline. You know, she said, with more than a touch of appreciation in her voice, when Eber pulled up to the dock in his boat, there wasn't a soul on that dock, and nobody ever said a word to him about it. She didn't have to explain who doesn't know about an old man's pride. Who can't understand how hard it would have been for Eber to face his neighbors that night or to rehearse the story with them in the morning? The poet Gwendolyn Brooks wrote, We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. And I, I find myself more and more grateful as the years go on for the truth of what she says, for communities of belonging, communities like this one that you have here, like mine on Great Cranberry, for the immersion of self into a human reality greater than self. We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. So a woman is lost in grief. Her partner has died. It's like fog, thick and disorienting. But as her friends gather around her or drop off meals or send notes, it's like voices from the dock. Over here, safe harbor, over here. A man feels his faith slipping away. The deep doubts and the hardest questions are dogging him, and he's losing his bearings as if he were at sea. Nobody has answers for him, but on a habitat build, he finds that he has a place, a purpose, a port. As if all those other builders were saying wordlessly to him, over here, over here, you're not alone. Sometimes we don't even want to hear the voices, say, when they are calling us back from some foolish course that we've set out on, or calling us home from some seductive addiction that we have. But which of us is so prideful that we will not eventually admit that we needed to be guided back, urged into the harbor? Over here. We want you to be safe over here. This is the power of community. And I have no doubt that many of you experience it right here at Hope Gateway. How has it been for you? How have you experienced it? 
But it goes beyond the local and the personal, doesn't it? When we talk about community, it's not just the people we know. When ICE is menacing our beloved immigrants, someone has to stand next to them and say to those ICE officers, oh no, we are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. When pronouncements from on high try to split us up by race, by sexuality, by religion, by party, we need to band together and say, don't divide us. We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. When the knives of greed start to cut and then shred the social safety net, food stamps reduced, health care restricted, housing support diminished, then it's time for us as a people to say, when one of us suffers, all of us suffers, for we are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. Now, individualism, to be sure, has its place. Self-reliance, that great iconic trait of New Englanders, is much to be praised. The authority of the individual conscience over external structures of power is a great gift of the Enlightenment and made possible America's experiment in democracy. Carl Jung urged us toward individuation, the emergence of the individual from the collective. All of this is self-evident and to be celebrated. But honestly, is our individuality worth anything if it is not anchored in community? We know that it isn't. In these latter days, an excess of individualism has poisoned our nation and weakened our collective soul. In the name of individual, personal, religious liberty, some people claim the right to discriminate against LGBTQ people and couples. In the name of self-reliance, Powerful voices demand the ending of benefits for the most vulnerable among us and say that we shouldn't even accept immigrants unless they can stand on their own two feet. In the name of national sovereignty, cloaked as America first, we are told we must stand alone, abandoning our alliances and many of our programs of foreign aid. In the name of faster and more widespread communication, we have been lured into a social media culture that ironically leaves us more isolated, more lonely, and more familiar with screens than with faces. The healthcare debate, the climate debate, the gun control debate, these are all ultimately raising the question of community. In what ways are we responsible for each other? In what ways are we accountable to each other? In what ways do we belong to each other? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's guardian? to which the answer threaded all through scripture and every religious tradition is clear. You bet you are. In African culture, the word, the answer is Ubuntu, the concept that says, I am who I am only because of who we are. I am who I am only because of who we are. That's why it's good on a Sunday morning to hear a story of a man guided home from the sea by his neighbors 
And it is so good to hear again the Apostle Paul's little hymn to the gift of community and to the demands of community. Listen again to his words. And as a visitor among you, I I can't say just how each of these sentences affects your life as a congregation, but you know. I am sure that you know. So listen to this word for you as a community and as individuals. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Well, that's a hard one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Now, in my view, there's nothing more politically and spiritually powerful than engaging radically in local community. You want to fight against the powers of polarization that go across our nation? Do it here. Would you neutralize the acidic nature of our nation's discourse? Well, do it, do it here. Would you lift up the qualities of civility, forbearance, patience, and respect? Do it here. The challenge is to let the roots of your connectedness, your knowledge of one another, your care for one another, those roots, let them drive deep and deeper than they already are. It it takes openness. It takes courage. It's not easy takes enormous trust in one another. My challenge to you today is to ask, how can you grow in community right here? And I'll make it more personal still. And ask, how can each of you, as an individual, deepen the communal bonds of this congregation? What can you do? It's not to underestimate the importance of national movements or asserting a national will that is expressive of the better angels of our nature, but it's to say that the place that God gives us first to practice the virtues of true community is right where we live. These efforts may be small, but remember what Jesus said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. As you come together in this place, leavened with God's love, remember that you are also to be a leaven to a world aching to rise. This germ of community celebrated in this meal, radical community, is what enables you, enables us all, to worship as God truly intends. Is not this the fast that I choose?
to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then, then, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you will call and God will answer. Then you will cry for help and God will say, Here I am. May it be so. Amen.